0: Good morning. Today's scripture reading will be from the book of Romans. It will be Romans 4, verses 16 through 25. And in the Pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along, that will be on page 1002. That is Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 25. And that is on page 1002 in the Pew Bible and I will be reading from the New America Standard. For this reason, it is by faith that it might be in accordance with grace in order that the promise may be certain to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, A father of many nations, I have made you. In the sight of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope, he believed, in order that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which has been spoken. So shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. Now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully assured that what he had promised He was able to perform. Therefore, also it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, not for the sake only was it written that it was reckoned to him, but for our sake also, to to whom it will be reckoned as those who believed in him who raised Jesus our Lord from dead. He also... He who also delivered up because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification.
1: Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here and we want to be an encouragement to you. We also welcome our El Salvador crew back. We're glad to have you. I understand that the team worked in 103 degree temperatures most days, so uh, welcome back to a little bit cooler climate than Santa Elena, but we are so thankful for the eight baptisms, the five restorations, the over 1,300 patients that were seen. Uh, if you have been praying for our missionaries, the first seven on the back of the post or the the back of the bookmark, uh, the first seven would have been the individuals that they would have worked with this week, along with a lot of others uh, from the Latin America missionaries work and we are thankful for them and for that great success. Uh, Glenn Kaufman and Bobby Cole are also working this weekend uh, with the church down in Purlington and trying to help uh, that church there and, and the great work that has been going on there since Katrina and now even through the challenges that they're facing. And so it's just wonderful to know that that the congregation has the opportunities given by God uh, to reach out to our neighbors right here around us, but then also neighboring states and even around the world. And we're thankful for each one that does their part. And let's just simply have that commitment. Let's each one do what we can do to make a difference in someone's soul for the kingdom's sake and for their eternal sake. Great expectations. As we've been thinking about great expectations here at Mount Juliet for a while, We've been thinking about, especially this year, what if someone walked in the door and they said, you know, I don't know much about God, but I'd like to learn. What is it I need to know? Well, we've tried to look at this somewhat as a prioritized system. Well, number one, you need to choose God. But when you choose God, you need to know that God expects you to love. He expects you to love him more than anyone. He expects you to love your neighbor as yourself. But now this month, we've been looking at the idea of, well, what if we do love him? What is he then going to teach us? And what we learned last week is that there is an inseparable characteristic of love for God and, as Jesus would say it over and over, keep my commandments. They're not the same thing, but they are inseparable. If we truly do love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we are going to keep his commandments. But then, what if, what if we did keep his commandments? What would be produced in our life? This morning, I look forward to this time of study together. I hope you have your Bibles open to Romans 4. We're going to study the inseparable or the undeniable fruit of the the product of living truth. And that is hope. Hope. We all need it. And that very moment when you're in the midst of a situation and you find out that it's hopeless, there's a horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach. And on the contrary, whenever a hopeless situation all of a sudden, some way there is a measure of hope, a gleam of hope that comes into that situation, there is a great feeling of peace. And from God, it's a peace that passes understanding. That is knows what it is to long for hope. The confused child knows what it is to long for hope. The spouse in strained marriage knows what it is to long for hope. The person facing bankruptcy knows what it is to long for hope. If you're studying with me this morning this lesson, you know what it is to long for hope. There's not a person you know that doesn't long to find a life that has stability. A life that is hope-filled, instead of a life that has so many questions that are unanswered and feel like every moment is in despair. Now, as we go into this study, you and I need to be aware of something. The way in our English language In the modern way, the word hope is used is not at all what we're studying this morning. I'm not saying that it's wrong to use the word hope in the way it's used in the modern language, but let me give you just a couple of definitions. Notice, if we were to just look this up in almost any dictionary, it would read something like this. It's a noun, meaning a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. In other words, I hope I don't catch the flu. I hope I'm able to go to the mall this afternoon. I hope this summer that that we can take a a nice family vacation together. There are a lot of just casual hopes or wishes that we can throw out. And and in that, we use the word hope. But in almost any dictionary, you'll see another definition. And it's a shame that it is described in this way. But in most dictionaries, it'll say archaic. And it's not archaic at all. It is an old definition, but it's just as much alive and useful today as it's ever been. It really is amazing to me that in modern times, intelligent people would call this archaic when as Christians, this is the most often way we use the word hope. And it's been defined as this, to have confidence and trust. You see, when you and I hear the Word of God and God makes promises to us about something about the future, it does not become to us as Christians, a casual observance or something that we wish might happen or it might not happen. When God says a promise to us, you can count on it as if it has already happened. You can place your full trust your full confidence that it's going to happen. In other words, you can place your full hope in God's promises. You see, when an individual lives truth of God's Word, the result is going to be an individual whose life is filled with hope. I think about a wonderful example of this being just lived out in a day-to-day conversation Many years ago There was a skeptic Named Robert Owen And this was a couple hundred years ago And Robert wanted to debate Alexander Campbell And so he went over to Campbell's house So that together they could lay out the debate preliminaries And as they walked across his, his yard toward his house. He looked over at the family cemetery that was right in sight at Alexander Campbell's house. And this skeptic said, there is one advantage I have over Christians. I'm not afraid to die. As he looked over at the burial site, most Christians have a fear in death But if some few items of my business were settled, I should be perfectly willing to die. And Alexander Campbell looked over and said, Well, you say you have no fear in death. Let me ask you, have you any hope in death? Owen had to think for a moment and then he said, No, I don't have any hope in death. And then Campbell looked a little bit beyond the cemetery at an ox that was lying out in the field. And he says, motioning in that direction, then you are on the level with that brute. He has been fed until he's satisfied. He stands in the shade, whisking off flies. And he has neither hope nor fear in death. And unable to reply, Owen could do no more than smile and concede that he had been appropriately corrected. Hope. What would life be if you did not have hope? It is one of the huge differences in the believer and the unbeliever to face every day knowing that the promises of God, that there is something beyond this earth that is beyond our imagination of fully understanding and capably understanding every detail of it now, but yet we hope In God's promises. We believe in God's promises. We are thankful and live our life in God's promises. This morning, will you join with me in a study of Romans, the fourth chapter, right towards the end of the chapter. And if you know much about the Bible, you know that Romans is a difficult passage and you probably know that Romans four is even a more difficult passage than most passages of scripture. Let me just say, we're not going to be able to decipher all the difficulties of this passage this morning, although that would be a great study, but I'd like for you to notice the fact that oftentimes individuals try to pit Romans 4 as a contradiction against James teaching about faith without works is dead and and that's a shame because Romans 4 is not referring at all to a person that is an alien sinner being saved. In other words the example that's used over and over of of Abraham is not talking about Abraham being an alien sinner and, and this was the righteousness or this is the faith by which he was saved. He's talking about Abraham living a life of faith and how that righteousness was found in his life. Now, just cutting right to the chase, let me say this, so that the rest of what we read this morning perhaps would have a better foundation on which that knowledge can rest. Many of the Jews in that day and time that Paul is addressing that had become Christians wanted other Gentiles that would become Christians to first follow parts of the old law, especially the act of circumcision, and then they can become a Christian. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit in brilliance, brings out one of the greatest examples of their faith that he could, he brings out Abraham. They would call Abraham the father of their faith. And and he brings them out and he says, listen, let's let the Gentiles become Christians because of their faith, In the very same way that Abraham practiced faith. Well, probably at first, the the Jews would have been like, well, uh, of course, of course, because the sign of circumcision was given to him. And so in this passage, Paul quotes passages of Abraham where he was considered righteous. And it was before, of course, the law of Moses. And it was before the act of circumcision was given as a sign of the covenant. And so it is in that then that he says, now let's all be people of faith like our father Abraham. Notice all, in other words, Jews and Gentiles, all of us become people of faith like Abraham. Just so you can see that, let's read verse 16. And as we read 16, we won't comment a lot more than what I already have. And then we'll go into the verses that follow that deal especially with hope at this time. Romans 4 and 16, therefore... It is of faith that it might be according to grace. See, that's how we're saved. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. It doesn't matter who you are. If the Jews would have said they were the seed, but he's going to lift their eyes and help them see that that Jews and Gentiles both are the seed because through Abraham, Jesus was born and Jesus is the savior of all. And so... We continue, he says, so that the promise, now keep in mind, anytime you see a promise of God, you're talking ultimately about the topic of hope if you're willing to believe the promise. And so he says, to, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, that's to everybody, not only to those who are of the law, not only the Jews, but also to those who are what? Of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, the the brilliance there, I've already stated it. We don't have time to go deeper in it right now, but it's just beautiful. You can imagine the Jews saying, he is saying that Abraham was the father of the Gentiles. And it would have boggled their mind until they studied deeper what he was saying. And it was brilliant. So let's go into this study. And as we're about to read a verse, I want to give you something to think about. And then as we are about to read this verse, you see if this is true. And then if this is true in Abraham's life, let's also contemplate, is it true in my life? And it is this, hope is the fruit of the word of God. Now you might say, well, I don't have hope. Then you probably are not believing and living the word of God. Not trying to slam you, not trying to throw you under the bus. It's just a fact. You can't have hope. You want an orange, where do you have to go? An orange tree. You want an acorn, where do you have to go? to an oak tree. You want hope? What do you have to do? You have to believe in God and believe his words and your life can produce a life that is hope filled. If you will not believe the promises and the words of God, you cannot have hope. Let's see this as we begin to read in verse 17. And he he comes right out of the gate in 17 with a quote about Abraham out of Genesis the 17th chapter in verse five. As it is written, And and see, he's especially right now trying to talk to those with a Jewish background. So that's why he's quoting Old Testament here. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which to do not exist as though they did. Now, if we were to go back and read Genesis 17th chapter and verse. what we would see is that this is still talking to Abraham, God still talking to Abraham at a time that Isaac was not born. But did you notice the tense there? I have made you a father of many nations. In other words, this is prophetic tense here. This is prophetic language. God is literally saying to Abraham here, a man who still has not given birth to Isaac. Sarah has still not given birth to Isaac and he is referring to the lineage of Isaac. And he says, I have made you the father of many nations. Let that settle in. If you and I would have been standing there that day, we would have said, hmm, is God making a mistake in how he says this? Or is that what God means? And of course, we would offer that that is exactly what God means. That's why it's in prophetic tense. God can speak of something in the future as if it was in the past. Because if God says it's going to happen, you better believe it's going to happen. When God says something is going to happen, it is just as certain as the fact that right now you and I are living in this very moment. It's that certain when God says something in the future is going to happen. It is that certain. And so he speaks in a prophetic sense in, in using an existing or past tense language to say, let me tell you the promise I'm making to you. You're going to be the father of many nations. As a matter of fact, this is the very chapter that, that God is so plain spoken in his promise that he says, I'm going to go ahead and change your name. I'm not just gonna give you the name Abram that's a a noble father, I'm gonna give you the name Abraham, you're gonna be the father of a multitude. And by the way, your your wife, her name means princess, Sarah. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and change her name, she's gonna be the mother of multitude, Sarah. You see, all of that was prophetic language in renaming. And so we look at hope, and what is hope? Hope is the fruit of someone who truly believes the Word of God. And that's why after that quotation there, in the end of the parentheses, he says, in the presence of him whom he believed. You see, it comes down to the fact, Abram, do you believe God? If you believe God, you can have hope in what he says. If you don't believe God, you will not have hope in what he says. All right, let's go down to verse 18, next slide. Look at verse 18, we have something else highlighted here that to me is one of the most powerful and beautiful phrases In Romans, the fourth chapter, and maybe in all the Bible about hope as it explains hope in an individual's life. Look what he says in 18 about Abram, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And that end quote even goes back further in Genesis. It goes back to Genesis, the 15th chapter in verse 5, even before Ishmael was born, was the promise, you're going to be the father of, of many nations and that you're going to have many descendants. You remember that Sarah was barren? In that day and time, one of the great honorable things that the entire culture believed was that a family should have many children. And the idea of being barren today is almost indescribable in its depth of pain. In that day and time, if, if, if I could be as, as um, careful to say, because when, when, when something is so painful, you hate to say, well, it might have been even more difficult in the past. Just let me throw it out as that. It might have been even more difficult. In Abraham and Sarah's day to be barren than even today, even though today it's still so difficult when when a husband and wife wants a child and and they're barren, and then then you have in their day and time, can you imagine all through their, their childbearing years? Can you imagine how many people suggested wives' tales to them? Can you imagine how many people said inappropriate things that hurt their feelings? Can you imagine how difficult that was to deal with? And then God comes along in their old age and says, You're gonna have descendants. And instead of getting angry and saying, I can't believe you're bringing that up. And instead of laughing and, and saying, I don't believe. Now we know they did laugh. But their laughter wasn't in disbelief because they immediately turned and believed. What a powerful, powerful way to say it. Paul, how are you going to say it? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, how are you going to say it? Contrary to hope. In hope believed. When it goes against everything, your logic, your situation, your experience, and everybody else would say, and yet God says something different, who are you going to believe? Contrary to hope, against all hope, I just don't see how this could ever happen. Wait a minute, God. You said it could happen. In hope, I believe. Abraham, why in the world do you believe now? One simple reason. God said it. I can't say anything more powerful to you in this lesson than that right there. You and I must place our hope in God that boils down to the fact of if God says it, I believe it, I'll act upon it, even if it's contrary to hope. Jumping back to Genesis, the 15th chapter and verse 5 real quick, I'd like for you to see how Moses even used this time to record about Abram's righteousness. Look in in Genesis 15 and 5. Then he brought him outside and he said, Look now toward heaven. And count the stars if you are able to number them. When I say that, I can't help but think, in their day and time where there would not have been city lights all around them, can you imagine how many stars they would see? I think about when, when Colton was a little boy, and we went back to my home, you know, that place real close to heaven, Brushy. And we went back there, and, uh, and, and of course, there's not any city lights in Brushy. You don't have to worry about that. And Colton was a little bitty fella, And we were out one night late, and we were walking, and he looked up, and, and he said, Dad, Why are there more stars at Pop Pop's house? It's amazing when you get away from the city lights how many stars you can see. That's what Abram would have seen. And so God takes him outside and says, I want you you to start counting them. Maybe as a little boy, Abraham had already done what many of us, especially if you grew out in the country and you saw those many stars every night. I remember as a child trying to count the stars. Now, I'd assume Abram had already tried that. But let's just say he didn't. And so maybe he's saying, okay, God wants me to count them. Let, Let me start counting. It didn't take long for him to realize I can't count all the stars. And so notice what God then says. So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. And what did the Lord do? The Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. Here you are with no children. You've wanted to have children all these years And now I'm telling you to count the stars and your descendants will be like that. And what was the summary? Abraham believed and God said, you're a righteous man. I can't be a righteous man if I don't have hope. Because hope is built upon believing the promises of God. If God states it, my answer needs to be, I believe it. I know that may be against logic. It may be against what everybody's saying. It may even be against what I think is best. But God, I believe you. And so with that in mind, let's let's take another verse, but let's think about another concept akin to this. Hope believes God instead of all others. Let's go to Romans, the fourth chapter, the very next verse. Look at verse 19. And not being weak in faith. See, you got to love that. That's why he believed. Abram was not weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. As a matter of fact, Genesis 17 tells us he was exactly 99 years old at the time they told him he was gonna change his name. And so he was about 99 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he's looking at his own age, he's looking at the age of Sarah, and he's also looking at the fact that she had been barren all those years and, and, and he's bringing that together and the point is powerful that he didn't have a weak faith. He believed it, not only the emphasis before has been he believed it because of God. Now Paul is writing and he's shifting around. He's looking at Abraham. He says, you know why else he believed it? He believed it because his faith was strong. Listen, God is who God is and he's worthy of your faith. He's worthy of your belief so that you can have hope in him. But now let's shift this around and let's look at us. Do you have great faith? See, it doesn't matter how great God's faith is or how great and powerful God is if I refuse to have faith in Him. If I refuse to believe in Him. God's promises are worth putting your hope and faith in. God will help you be all that you could ever be and even more than what you can imagine. You may have been in environments maybe growing up or maybe even right now where people have treated you like dirt. You may have been in situations where people have caused you to believe you're worthless. You may really have been convinced that you don't have purpose in life. And I want to ask you something. Are you going to believe what everybody else has said? Are you going to believe God who says he made you after his image and he loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you and that he wants to spend an eternity with you? Who are you going to believe? I want to encourage you to put your hope, to put your faith, to put your belief in God. It doesn't matter what everybody else is saying. God loves you. I want to encourage you this day to put your faith in God, put your hope in God. And let's look at one more thought here. Hope believes God and grows and grows and grows. I've studied this passage several times, but I want to be honest with you. This next phrase has never leaped off the page like they have as I've studied for this lesson this week. Look at Romans 4 as it continues to describe Abraham here, verse 20. He did not waver at the promise. In other words, he didn't stagger, he didn't doubt. God makes a promise that we would say on human terms is unbelievable, but because it's God, he's going to believe it and he's going to have hope. So he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? Notice three things that happened in his life. He was strengthened in faith. Number two, giving glory to God. Number three, being fully convinced that what God had promised He was able to reform. By the way, that's probably one of the best definitions of hope in all the Bible, that last phrase right there. So look at the three things that he said. This is what happened in his life. Do you realize when you have faith in God that produces that hope in God, good things happen to you. Good things like what? Like, number one, you're strengthening the faith. You have greater faith now than what you had before. And you continue to live that life of faith and you'll see that God continues to keep his promises and your life will be just shored up and strengthened even deeper and deeper. So your faith is even greater. Your your hope is even stronger. Your convictions are even bolder. But notice that second one, giving glory to God. Have you ever thought that your life of hope gives glory to God? How could that ever happen? Think about this. A little three-year-old is at the side of a swim pool, or out on the edge of the ocean, or or a lake, and, and the dad is saying, "Come on, jump, jump!" And the little child, at first, it's kind of hard, and the child jumps, and then for long was the child say, "Do it again, do it again!" And runs up there again, jump, do it again, do it again, jump. And somebody's watching, and they see that bond of trust. They see that faith that that daddy said he would catch that child, and every time he's caught that child, and now that child is jumping. Because they believe the promises of the Father. I'll catch you. Now, I want you to think spiritually for just a moment, okay? Don't think how corny this sounds. But in life, God gives us directions. And we're like that child. And we're on the edge of the pool. And you know, when we jump, we give God glory. We're saying to everybody that's watching, look. This is my Father. I trust His Word. I believe in Him. But think how sad it is when we don't jump. And then Satan comes along and we jump. Hope gives God glory. But notice that last part His hope was strengthened. Because he continued to believe the promises of God What I learned today I know usually we only have a few But I couldn't pack a few into this lesson So I'm going to give you very quickly Eight things that I hope we've learned today Okay, Number one If you don't believe God, you don't know real hope Number two If you don't believe God's word, you don't believe God Number three Believing God is more important than believing anyone else Number four. I want to challenge you if you're here this morning and you've never given God a try I'm talking about willing to leap. God when it doesn't make sense. I'll still obey you I want to give you a challenge. Will you just say for one year for 12 months? I'm going to believe God and then evaluate your life afterwards and see if your faith's not stronger See if you don't love giving God glory see if your hope hasn't built up stronger see if your life is not better than It's ever been before number five We've learned today, trusting God gives glory to God. Number six, hope is future oriented. Number seven, hope and faith show God to be strong, wise, and loving. Are we showing God to be strong? wise? I trust him. Why would you trust him? He's so strong. He's so loving. He's so wise. I trust him. Hope and faith grows us stronger and for us to be more wise and loving. There's an undeniable product of living truth contrary to hope in hope believe. Can that describe your life this morning? Doesn't matter who says it's not true. Doesn't matter how much I say. It doesn't make sense to me. Contrary to hope, in hope, will you this morning say, God, I believe you. You say it, I believe you. I hope you can. But if you can't, What could we do this morning to help you? If you need further study, please let us know. We don't have all the answers, but we love studying out of a book that does. It's the Word of God. Maybe you're ready this morning to be baptized into Christ as a believer willing to repent of sins and confess before men. We'd love to assist you with that. Maybe you're ready this morning to be restored. Maybe you've become a Christian along the way. You've had times in your life where your faith and your hope was weak, but this morning you want to come back and you want to strengthen it. Believe His promises. He'll forgive you. He loves you more than anybody ever has. He's in the redeeming business. If we can help you.